In fact, I've worked with a few companies over the years that we ended up increasing the value of their company by six or seven times because they ended up getting to a real product. There's a reason, you know, software companies get what, eight to 10x multipliers and services companies get, you know, 85 cents on a dollar. And that is because of the IP. So if a partner really wants to, you know, drive the valuation of their business up, innovate, innovate, innovate. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. I'm Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates, where we help companies grow faster by helping their channel partners market better and grow faster. Today, I'm talking with Wayne Monk, Senior Vice President of Global Alliances and Channel Sales at ASG Technologies. Before ASG, Wayne had senior channel and alliance positions at Skytap, Informatica, HP, Computer Associates, and other companies. And this is an especially busy time of year for Wayne because he is also the coach for running backs at South Lakes High School. Wayne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, and uh, absolutely thrilled to be here. So uh, before we get into all the channel stuff, how's the football team this year? I, I understand that you were a quarterback in high school yourself. Doing doing well, actually, two and one, uh, off to a good start, and uh, hopefully uh, another highly successful season for us. Great. All right, so why don't, uh, if you could please fill us in a bit more detail on your career path what brought you to your focus on the channel and alliances? Yeah, fantastic question. I think the first is just passion. I've been fortunate to see the technology industry from really all views and all vantage points, you know, as a as a vendor, as a partner, as a distributor, and as certainly a consumer of technology. And, and so uh, I've also been fortunate to do direct sales, uh, some marketing roles, and, and certainly channel roles. And I just love the channel side, the alliances side, because you're in a position where you're really working with these partners to help them grow their business, drive increased profitability. And unlike any position, you work with all facets of their business. You have to kind of understand technology and strategy. You have to certainly understand how to drive a P&L and profitability. You certainly need to be able to help these partners go to market and, and create awareness and demand for their offerings and solutions. And certainly, you know, the sales cycle, the delivery cycle, and the support cycle. It taps into really every skill set you need. Uh, you know, partners are always coming up with, with new innovations and new ideas and new business models. So there's, there's never a dull moment, right? So it's, it's, just a, it's just a fun place to be develops and tests all your skills and capabilities every day. So I, I just have an incredible passion. Yeah, sounds like a lot of good reasons. And I did notice that you had a lot more emphasis on marketing than, than many people do in things that you've talked about. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, ASG Technologies is an enterprise. You operate in over 60 countries globally. Please tell people about what ASG does and, and who you sell to. Yeah, fantastic. First of all, as you said, we are a global software provider. We tend to solve 
uh, complex business problems for some of the world's most demanding and innovative companies. We tend to deal with larger scaled enterprises, say Fortune 1000. We, we solve their problems in, in fundamentally two ways. First, our information management solutions enable our customers to discover, govern, and trust their data to help them make you know, better business decisions. And then secondly, our systems portfolio helps companies ensure that their critical infrastructure is available, performing, and operating at, at high levels of efficiencies. And as you said, we have roughly 3,500 customers globally that, that put these solutions to work every day to help them drive you know, better business outcomes and while reducing various risk imposed on their business. And the company has been around for a while, 30 or 40 years? Yeah, about 30 years. Well, although we've gone through a pretty exciting transformation in the last four years, the company was previously owned by a sole proprietor and built the business through a lot of really smart acquisitions of strong software titles, but got a little bit over tips of his skis and a private equity firm came in about four years ago, you know, bought out the owner, brought in a new leadership team. And, and ever since then, we've, we've been a rocket ship transforming the company, you know, at one time had 300 plus software titles and we've obviously reduced that portfolio down, figured out what solutions we'd innovate around and be market leaders in as well as those that we continue to enhance. It's just been an incredible transformation. I always tell people at some point, I think we'll be a, a Harvard uh, business uh, case study because not only have we done that, but we've taken 30 some engineering locations down to three primary. We've gone from a waterfall to an agile development environment. We retooled our sales team. And somehow through all that, we've managed double digit revenue growth year a quarter over quarter. You know, it's kind of like a, a startup culture and field and a, an older, more mature, you know, proven company. So it's uh, it's been a blast so far. Yeah, those transitions, those changes you just described sound like really important ones. I know when Steve Jobs went back to Apple in, what, 96 or something, he, mm -hmm. he cut out three quarters of their product line so they could focus on the ones that were really important and that, that they were going to could have a real uh, superior product at and the change to agile and so forth those all sounds like great changes you know focus is the key to everything in my mind if you can really uh focus your attention on on things that matter the the amazing thing too is we just simply empowered people right the people weren't necessarily empowered so empower people give them focus and and support them you know great things tend to happen you know, one of my favorite business books is Jim Collins' Good to Great. And I summarize that in three words, which is focus and execute. Yeah. So I understand from the website that you have about 60 partners, is it? That's pretty daggone close. When I came in about three and a half years ago, we really didn't have much of a partner ecosystem at all. We had an outsourcer business, uh, but we really didn't have a traditional you know, global systems integrator or business partner route to market. Uh, in fact, when I arrived, we were about 6% of our revenue was, was, you know, contributed to by our partners. And, you know, in a, in a few years, we've been able to get that up to 28% and hope to exceed uh, a third of our business this year. So it's another thing I love to do is build, right? So it's very rare you can come into a company of this size and be able to lay down the partner program and the benefit structure that, that you desire without having to worry about impacting things that were already in motion. So that was a, a luxury. And I think we put together a, a world-class partner program that provides some pretty uh, lucrative incentives for our partner ecosystem. And, and we're from the kind of the playbook of 
if we can reach our goals with four versus 40, then we'll do it with four, right? We're, we're very much about finding committed partners, you know, or, or committed to you in the marketplace you're serving and investing and, and helping them, you know, win and, and be successful. So a few good, uh, a few good partners is our motto. Kind of like the Marines. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, yeah, it sounds like a strategic shift, not exactly away from direct, but really uh, making a much deeper commitment and investment in the channel. Absolutely. I mean, you know, to no surprise, right, most vendors look at partners as a way to expand their reach into the market um, and, and, and get to new places and new buyers. We, we certainly you know, have that as one of our objectives, but we also see our partner ecosystem is driving innovation, you know, a high level of, of innovation on top of our platform. In fact, that's kind of one of our core values and core principles. We really are looking for partners that can, can add in value or IP or, or, or methodologies on top of our platform to make it a better, more robust solution for our clients. And, and that's when you really get some interesting multipliers going when you can do that. You wrote a few blog posts on your channel philosophy. Uh, this was a quote from one of them, which is like right on to what you were talking about. Uh, you wrote, we want our channel partners to think and act like product companies. 90% of the time, channel partners are building and delivering accelerators or services wrapped around the products they are marketing. There's a huge opportunity to differentiate themselves in the eyes of the customer. And if we can get precise in our joint offering, messaging and marketing, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> Just teasing. No, I'm a big believer in that. Innovation is, is critical. I, I, I've been doing this for a while, right? And, and if you can get a partner to differentiate on top of your solution, your customers and your sellers, you know, need them more, right? They're bringing something tangible and different to the game. You know, I always tell our sales force, our job is to put more tools in your bag Right, and those tools are these accelerators and enhancements. And, and if you do that, then the customers and, and, and sellers need you, right? There's a reason they have to bring you in to fill out the solution to create a stronger uh, ability to meet, meet the customer's requirements. And what you find is many of these partners are very strong with their services, right? They do do repeatable work. They have strong expertise and competency in certain areas. And I found that partners build it's kind of an evolution, right? You start harnessing your services, you create service packs or service bundles. You know, those bundles become starter kits or quick starts. And, and why not productize them, right? Why not take it all the way through and create a product? In many cases, there's IP underneath the hood. In fact, I've worked with a few companies over the years that we ended up increasing the value of their company by six or seven times because they ended up getting to a real product. There's a reason, you know, software companies get what, eight to 10 X multipliers and services companies get, you know, 85 cents on a dollar. And that is because of the IP. So if a partner really wants to, you know, drive the valuation of their business up, innovate, innovate, innovate. So not only is it good for the vendor, right? That we get this differentiated enhanced capability, but it's also very important to the partner because it is driving the valuation of their company up. So if they have an exit strategy at some point in their life, hopefully they get a premium dollar for that. So it's a, it's a home run on both sides. If you can really find partners who get that, 
again, are willing to commit to that strategy and, and, and think like a product company versus a, a services company. So are these products and these partners industry specific? Is that how they focus or, or what? Yeah, uh, we, we see a little of both. What I have found in my career, and, this, and I hate kind of summarizing, but I will, a lot of the business partner community or the solution provider community tends to have more of a, a horizontal technology or practice approach where they may be going after a horizontal technology and they tend to span that across a handful of verticals. So we, we certainly look at bringing capability and, and packaging and accelerators around a horizontal solution, say something like the current term GDPR or the California uh, Privacy Act, where they're layering some of the policies around those acts into our, our data intelligence uh, solution. But then you go to uh, the vertical markets, you, you will find some very uh, niche business partners, but a lot of the global systems integrators, right, they have deep industry expertise. And so the larger, uh, more, more SIs, we tend to go from a, an industry focus where they're bringing their industry domain expertise on top of the solution to drive a better, uh, better outcome. Okay. A major part of your role, I guess, is in the recruiting of new partners. And you've written about the four characteristics that you look for in a partner, which you call the four C's, commitment, competence, coverage, and capitalization. So I want to ask you about each one of those separately. So what does commitment mean to you? Yeah, I call it the big C. Commitment is the big C. You always need to have a, a strong commitment from your partners if you want to be successful with them. Commitment means a number of things. First, are they committed to the market segment that you're going to pursue? Uh, I always look, it's always easier to, to bolt on to a partner's current market than to have them go chase a new market. So commitment to the market is, is, is a big, big part. The second, are they committed to the solution set and your, your specific capabilities? Are they committed to the product and are they committed to you as a vendor to go to market? And then third is, is a commitment to, to growth, right? Is this 20% of their business or 80% of their business? That commitment needs to come, depending upon the size of the company, from someone who owns the P&L right, that can commit resource and investment. So depending upon the company or the partner size, right, it may be the, the owner or it may be you know, a high level C or, or v, VP level who owns the P&L for that specific market segment. But like I said, commitment, if you don't have commitment, run. <laughs> I say it all the time to my partner managers. And there's lots of ways you can measure commitment. I mean, the simple one is, are they willing to build a go-to-market or a business plan with you? And if so, are they building the plan or are you building it for them, right? So there's lots of ways that we, we kind of check to see if that commitment is really there or is it lip service. But like I said, if you don't have the big C, run for the hills. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of how you measure commitment or determine it is by the history of the partner, the, the, com the customers that they've been working before and the industries that they've been working in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a good measure always is what percentage of the revenue of their overall revenues coming from that segment or that piece. And if it's low, then then are they really committing a resource to it, right? Are they really investing in, the, in that space? So yeah, absolutely. Okay, the second one, competence. How do you determine a partner's competence before working with them? Yeah, competence is really, you know, their their knowledge or 
capabilities or skills around the solution set you're going into. So depending upon the, the solution set, you know, sometimes there are industry certifications that the uh, partners, uh, technical team or sales teams may be able, you know, may already exist or have. We tend to look at what collaborative or, or complementary solutions that they are selling and the level of uh, accreditation or, or technical expertise they've secured there. So this is a, by the way, competence is, is sales, pre-sales and, and delivery or technical. So you need to assess that as well. But it's really getting a, a good understanding of the technical savvy and the ability to position or, or, or sell like, like product. You know, the experience with a certain technology set, any accreditations or certifications they have are, are kind of the, the easy ones. But it's also as you're going through and recruiting the partner and, and developing offerings of the partners, you'll get a sense of their competency as well as you, you know, obviously build those things out. Okay. Um, the third one is coverage. And in coverage, you include marketing, which as a marketer, I was happy to see. But how do you define coverage and how do you determine it? Yeah, and I'll start from marketing in to, to sales, which I really think is the way you have to do it. So, you know, that big C, the commitment C, right? You're testing, you know, are they chasing the market that you're, you're going after? Then the next question you have to ask yourself, right, is can they reach that market? What's their ability to reach the total available market? And so I like drawing a big round circle saying, here's the available market. And then you start working with the, the partner, understand how many active customers do you have? So you draw it in a circle. How many total customers do you have? A little bit bigger circle. How big is your marketing database, right? A, a much bigger, hopefully a much bigger circle. When's the last time you mailed and or are you doing anything with scorecard or measure the responsiveness of that? So how many of those have shown some level of, of engagement with you? So that's a little bit inside the bigger circle. So reach to me or, or, or capacity or coverage really comes down to how many customers, how large is your reach through your marketing capacity. And then finally, how many sellers do you have? How many physical salespeople do you have, whether they're outside, inside, uh, SDRs? So it's really measuring their ability to reach the market. Another thing that is a red flag to me, right, is if you're working with them to understand their reach and you start asking these questions and someone in the back room says, oh, we can go buy a list. That right there is a red flag, right, to me that they really aren't intimate with that market, right? If you're committed to the market, then you're going to invest, right, in building your, your database and your ways to, to interact and speak you know, to that market. So it's, it's actually one of the more important factors, too, to realize if you're going to invest mutual time and energy into a partnership, you, you pretty much need to make sure that you can reach the available market in some tangible way. It also helps you understand how many partners you might need to cover the market, right? So if, you're, if it's a strategic market to you and one partner gets you to 30% reach, then you may need to have two or three or four more partners, right, to to effectively cover the available market. So it helps you with, with uh, managing your, your partner ecosystem as well. Okay. What kind of marketing support does ASG provide to your partners? Yeah, we have a dedicated partner marketing team that operates globally. Because of our focus on innovation, we tend to run what we call, uh, we have this framework we call the solution development framework. And that framework is a process to help us 
figure out how we can drive innovation, what we can build, what that available market is, how many we think we can sell, but that ultimately gets to a go-to-market plan. So we're big about creating nine to 15 month marketing plans, right? I, I'm not a big fan of what I would refer to as one and done. Hey, let's go do an event, right? We would much rather make an investment with a partner who's thinking about how do I bring customers to the buyer's journey? How do I do multi-touch activities that build on each other and sustain some type of consistent messaging to build awareness and ultimately demand? Again, this is back to why we need the big C, right? Because that commitment leads you to build those plans, which leads you to then invest in them. So once we build that marketing plan, right, there's a whole host of things that we might be doing based upon what works for the partner, what ability they have to reach the market. And, and so that spins off a set of activities based upon the partner's marketing capacity, actual physical ability to market. We, we work kind of as a, a blended team, right? We have resources that we will, you know, for, let's take a, a webinar, for instance, if we want to do, we, we may give them the infrastructure to run the webinar and help them with audience capture, use their SDRs, or they may have their own, right, ability, platforms, and, and capabilities. And every partner has a different level of marketing maturity. So we try to understand what they're good at, supplement it with, with our team, but it all starts with a plan, right? A credible plan that we both believe in and we're both willing to, to invest in and go build a, build a funnel. Yeah, you absolutely need that long-term approach for marketing to be successful. You know, like you said, one and done campaigns are not going to have a big impact and you need to be out there in front of the market month after month, year after year to really uh, to be there when they're ready for you even. Certainly been our experience. And in fact, I always say one and done is another thing that I run from because you, to me, you're kind of wasting your money, right? You're not going to get an effective return on those type of activities. I mean, we do them from time to time, but it, it's, I prefer not. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then your final C is capitalization. What are you looking for? Yeah. Capitalization is one that some people don't necessarily look for, but it's back to, uh, to grow it takes money, right? It takes, it takes capital infusion. I learned this very early in my career. I was with a, a distributor in Chicagoland and I was brought in to run sales and we were killing it, right? We were growing like crazy. And, and I never forget this. I go into the, to our uh, leadership meeting and the CFO goes, guys, we got a problem. We're out of cash. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, we're, we're like growing 20, 30%. You know, this is a classic distribution back in the day with hardware, right? And of course, it's worse when you have to carry inventory, right? Because you, you have to buy more yeah. inventory to serve the demand. And that was my, uh, I'll never forget it because I had to put my, uh, we all agreed to uh, take loans out and secure it with their house. And I was recently married. That went over really well with the, the, the new <laughs> missus. But uh, it, was, it was a quick lesson, right? That growth takes cash. And so really understanding, how, you know, are they private? Are they public? You know, are they funded? You know, is it VC? Is it, is it PE money, private equity money? Because if you're really going to go grow, you know, there's lifestyle businesses and there's growth businesses, right? We, 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 we prefer the growth businesses if we can find them. Lifestyle businesses are great, but you just got to align your objectives, right, to, to that. But growth takes capital. And it takes, you know, hiring more sales capacity. It takes, you know, doing more marketing uh, effort. So we really want to make sure that if we're going to go try to drive, you know, more than 
double digit growth, right? That we have a company that is funded and prepared to, to, to do what they need to do. So that's a, an important one to us as well. So some owners of private companies often don't want to share that kind of information. Do you run into that much? Uh, we absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like anything, right? Partnerships is all about, you know, gaining trust, right? And, and early in partnerships, you, you may not fully have that developed. So, yeah, you know, the, the more that you earn that trust, the more they peel back of, of uh, their business. But early on, you're absolutely right. You may not have insight. So really all you can do there is go back to the big C. That's why the big C is the most important, the commitment and challenge them to see if they are willing to make a little bit of an investment. And you'll yeah. see if they pull back or not early to, to get a sense. Also, their growth rate, right? Uh, if they are growing, right, and, and have sustained that for you know two years or so, you know they they probably have figured out the capitalization metric. If they've been relatively flat in growth, they're probably more of a lifestyle and may not have lines of credit or proper financing to. Because again, learn it early, right? <laughs> growth uh, growth does consume cash and. Uh, it's an important attribute, but yeah, getting those privately held companies, you know, you just got to, you just got to monitor and, and give them challenges and see how they respond to them. Compared to some other companies, you have a relatively small number of partners. As you said, your, your channel program is, is pretty new. So I would assume that your relationship with each one is important. What's the role of channel managers at ASG and are QBRs uh, central to those relationships? One thing I've learned also over the years I've been doing this is that the channel manager role is tough. I mean, if you really think about when I opened up, why am I in the channel side? And I gave you the kind of the array of things you need to know. Finding that in one individual is really, really difficult, right? You kind of need two general skill sets. You need sales acumen, right? You need to be able to understand the sales cycle and how to drive you know, revenue. But you also need that kind of strategic business planning, you know, marketing kind of side as well. And finding someone who have both of those skills are really tough, right? And, and, and even when you find it, people gravitate to what they like and they either end up being field or deal facing or partner and go to market facing. They, they gravitate to one side. So the other gets neglected. We just recently, we actually have two roles. It, it, once you get to a, a level of maturity in your program, and a certain level of productivity. I'm a huge believer in introducing two roles in the alliances, a field deal facing role and a partner facing role. We call them Rams and Pams, partner alliance manager and, and regional alliance manager. We just went to that this year. And so that's usually an accelerator for growth in, in every other place that I've been when I've been fortunate to be able to put this model in. Because again, it allows the, uh, the folks to leverage their true skill sets and drive even higher levels of, of productivity. So, you know, the partner facing role, pretty self-explanatory now, right? The par partner facing role is really all about how do I uh, develop that partner, get them enabled, get the offerings built, get the go-to-market done, execute against those plans for success. Whereas the RAM model is all about how do I help take leads or opportunities that come in and ensure that we are doing everything you need to do in the sales and pre-sales and delivery cycles. And so that's been a huge uh, catalyst of growth for us. Okay. So I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate for a moment. You've said that the channel is all about coverage of reaching beyond where the company's direct sales force can go. Some companies have thousands of partners, many thousands. 
in talking with one channel lead, he said that they have a, a top tier of partners who deliver many deals each year, but then they have a second tier of partners who kind of cycle out. Uh, some years, a particular partner will do a lot of deals, and other years, not many at all. But cumulatively, that long tail of partners deliver a lot of their channel sales, and, and sometimes, for some companies, it's 50% or more. Do you think that over time, you'll grow a much larger partner community, or, or do you think you'll keep it you know, kind of smaller and this kind of very focused on fewer, better uh, that you have now? Yeah, great question. I think that all has to be aligned in your route to market you know, needs to be aligned with your sales objectives and the types of solutions you're selling and, and where you are in the maturity of, of your solutions. And you may say, what does that mean? <laughs> so first of all, what customer segment are you trying to reach with your own sales force and with the channel? And, and so that affects coverage, right? And, and coverage gets back to what I was saying about understanding the, the coverage C with your partners. So if, if you're going after every company from 200 million to 200 billion uh, across a broad market, then in order to reach that market, you'll need a lot more partners to successfully reach that. And that's what I mean by route the market. So first thing you got to understand is what is the market I'm going after? How big is it? And, and how many partners do I, I need? to get effective coverage. The second thing is, what is our revenue targets, right? What are we trying to aspire to do from our revenue? And, and so how many, with that coverage mix plus partners, you know, how, how many would I need to get to that revenue figure? And then the other thing is, when I say product maturity, there are some products that are more commodity in nature and you're selling units, right? You're fulfilling what I call capacity. A lot of the demand in the market is I need more of the same. And that's where channels and large fulfillment type channels are important. So you want a lot of partners and a lot of coverage because you're probably dealing with big markets and, and you're, you're, you have a lot of demand in the market for more, right? More capacity. The VMware is a great example of that, right? I need more, more ESX servers, right? But then you also have some products that are very sophisticated and very technical and may not have a high level of demand because the ASP or the average selling price is very high. In that case, you know, you may not need a lot of partners. You, you need partners who are very committed and competent and capable, right, of representing those. And, and because the ASP is higher and many of that is new business, uh, you may need uh, fewer partners. And, and by the way, a lot of partners, some partners don't even want to do that, right? They'd rather go where, right, you know, name brands with a lot of demand versus going with a secondary brand that you may have to do a little push versus pull selling. So I, I think as a channel leader and as a, an overall sales leader, you need to think about those things and determine what is the right level of coverage. We have coverage goals, I didn't speak to that, but we have three different products that we take through the channel and we have a different coverage goal for each one because of some of the things I just said. So I think your partner coverage can vary based upon the type of product you're selling, based upon the size of market you're going after, and also the partner mix, right? It's why coverage in the part. If you can't find partners who have high coverage rates, then you're going to need more, right? Pretty simple. <laughs> so your ability to track yeah. the dominant partners, uh, you know, have an impact on how many you, you need as well. So it's a big puzzle. It's a fun puzzle. That's why this industry is so... So, uh, so fun and complex.
some of the companies that I've talked to that have like the biggest partner uh, communities, you know, with the thousands or tens of thousands, uh, it's not because they're going after 200 million to 200 billion, but because they're going after the millions of SMBs. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, you, know, that's, you know, but that's not your main focus anyway. You're, yeah, you're Dylan, when I was at Informatica, yeah, that we had a large partner ecosystem because of that, right? In fact, we were one of the reasons I was there is to build the SMB out, right? So yeah. you, you need a lots of partners to cover the, the mid-market. Absolutely. So what should I have asked you, Wayne, that I didn't? What keeps you up at night? You know, what really keeps me up at night is always figuring out, well, there's two things. You asked one of them, which is marketing, right? Marketing is critical. You got to be, you got the best product in the world, the best service offering in the world. But if you can't reach your, your market and effectively, you know, have a compelling message to get them to pick up the phone or fill out a form or whatever it is, right? It's going to be tough sledding. So you did cover that. The other one, though, is enablement, right? I, I think, I say this all the time, you know, these partners have choices, right? They, we have a tough job. We, we've got sellers who don't report to us, who don't have to sell our products. And you can go out and pick whatever they believe is the best product on the market to go service the market they're at, right? So people sell what they know, right? People sell what they know, and they're not going to introduce risk or uncertainty or doubt into their top accounts. I believe enablement, whether it's sales, pre-sales, or delivery, is absolutely fundamental to having partner success, especially if you're selling a more sophisticated you know, technology-based product. So enablement is something we take very seriously, and it is not easy, especially as, as these technologies are changing. And You, know, you want to be on demand and, and, and provide as much access. You know, every partner is under pressure to get to drive certifications. You know, we're an accredited, we don't have certificate, we have accreditations. But we try to make, make it as easy as possible and, and probably invest more than we should on making sure that partner understands our solution, believes in the solution, and knows that they're not introducing risk into their account, right? So when they always say competent and competent, right? You, you got to be you got to be confident of what you're recommending, but you also have to be competent to be able to represent it properly. And so we spent a lot of time, you know, on the enablement front. And I think a lot of vendors have a hard time with that. I mean, we certainly did when I first got here. And it's 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 always an ongoing battle because things are moving so fast. And it sounds like a lot of that enablement is on the technical side about understanding the product and the integration and creating products and so forth. Yeah, it's funny. We just, we have a partner advisory council and one of the things we did in our virtual one we did a few months ago was we were talking about, we have three learning paths of sales, a pre-sales and a delivery. And, you know, we were asking the partners, if you were investing and prioritizing where you wanted to spend our time, where would you want to spend it? Now as a vendor, of course, we selfishly think what? Sales, right? Oh, we want you out, you know, getting more at bats and filling the funnel and driving more transactions. But of course, where does the partner go? Delivery. Right? <laughs> they they want to be able to drive their service revenue, right? And and back to what I was just saying, right? If they want to know that when they install your product or recommend your product, customers are going to get the value that you're promoting, and it goes in easy and installs well, and they're you know they're absolutely delighted at the end. So it, it was kind of funny. I told one of the guys on our team, I said, you know, that, that just shows where vendors' minds are, sell, 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 and where, uh, where the uh, partner's mind is, which is on the delivery side. So, yeah, you're right. Technical and delivery is number one. Okay. Wayne, how, if people are interested in knowing more about ASG and your partner program, how can people contact you? 
Well, well, two ways. One, if, if you're just generally interested, you can go to ASG.com. And secondly, I'm more than happy to take direct emails. It's uh, Wayne, W-A-Y-N-E dot M-O-N-K at ASG.com. So happy to uh, help. I've, I uh, I love this industry and I love talking to other channel advocates as well. So, And certainly appreciate the time today. Okay. And uh, are you very active on LinkedIn or any other? I am. I absolutely am on LinkedIn. Uh, that's another way as well. Okay. So we'll put we'll put that information into the program notes at uh, revenueassociates.biz. So thank you for joining us today, Wayne. As I do with all guests, I'll be sending you a copy of my Bullseye Marketing book in appreciation. Thank uh, you. So if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or another app, and you found the podcast interesting and useful, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about the podcast too. Thank you for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, and please subscribe and listen to future episodes.